4: We welcome you in. It is the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM on a Thursday afternoon on the East Coast Thursday morning here in Las Vegas. I'm Ben Wilson from our South Point Sportsbook studio. Great to have Michael Lombardi back on the show. Michael, first off, thank you so much for letting me fill in with uh, with you last week on the GM shuffle. I know you and Femi, you were back at it today. Just uh, just recorded another episode, right?
5: Yeah, we sure did, but it was great to have you, Ben. Appreciate you filling in. I mean, uh, this is vacation time around Veston, so we no all doubt. gotta pitch in and help, and we appreciate you. Thank you for joining us here on a Thursday. Hey,
4: I'm I'm happy to be uh, happy to be along. We joked about this when we did the, the GM shuffle last week, but the the last time you and I had hosted last summer was the one day Aaron Rodgers decided he was coming back to Green Bay. And so for me as a something Wisconsin. Something might happen kid,
5: today. You never we'll know see, something we'll could see. happen. We might get the Sean Watson news today. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, there's still things out there.
4: No doubt, uh, there's a lot to run through as well, which we'll do here in a second. Uh, just to preview what's coming up on the show, we'll, we'll visit with Harry Gagdon, who's going to join us here before the top of our next hour. You see him on the Great Against All Odds podcast with Cousin Sal. Talk some NFL offseason handicapping with us coming up. Rex Hoggard will give us a, an update from across the pond at the Open Championship, where they are underway and wrapping up the first round right now. That's coming up at 1:30 Eastern, and then a mall shot. Of course, I can't wait for that, Michael. It's a, it's a wrap of the show. All <laughs> yeah, odds on leading a little crosstalk you... there with the mall.
5: Yeah, you got a seatbelt in your chair. Just put your seatbelt on before he gets <laughs> Pretty, on. There's no fr- no yes. doubt. Yeah. Our
4: producer, Matt Santos, he did provide me, yes, the, the seatbelt extends the entire width of the desk so I can just, you know, I can lock myself <laughs> in. Uh, but, yes, on the topic, Michael, of NFL and some of the headlines starting to float here, uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, the news is still very much prevalent, and that is because we saw this story come out yesterday from uh, Tony Rizzo from ESPN Cleveland uh, saying he has heard from, quote, unquote, reliable sources that the possible suspension for Deshaun is uh, down now to just 4 4- to to six games, at least at this point, as you say, Michael, we, we still feel like we could hear about this any day, since the NFL had come out and said they expect this to be resolved before they start the start of training camp, which is now just a couple of weeks away. So, uh, how, what do you what do you react to when you hear something like that? Now that we're down to a four to six game span,
5: uh, I mean, look, uh, to Tony, I know Tony; he covered the team for a long time in town, and you know, I don't know if anybody knows because the way this works, Ben, is there's not a leakage that comes through, you know, now there are negotiations happening. And if it was down to four or six games, I think the Browns would sign off on that immediately and that would be done. But I don't know if that's, it's a negotiation. Maybe the Browns are trying to get four or six games and the league is still trying to get a year. We will not know actually until it finally happens. And it doesn't usually happen until the letter goes out. Like, there's no, there's no predetermined, okay, we're going to call everybody and let them know. The letter goes, and that's what happens. So we'll see. But, I, I mean, four or six seems a little bit different, a little light. But I'm not privy to all the information that was in the testimony. And I'll put my faith in Sue Robinson, the judge who's on the case, who's listening to evidence, who understands the collective bargain agreement, who understands the severity of the charges, who also understands the perception of the charges outside without the evidence. So I'm going to put my faith in her for her to make the
4: best recommendation. And look, we've heard anything from four weeks to a full year plus. So I think what you say does certainly carry a lot of weight, just from a like from what we should be reacting to. I mean, that's how it should be. We shouldn't be coming out here and saying, "Well, I think this or that." On, on where the Browns' odds are going to go here, we just don't know. And the other chips that could potentially fall from this, I know you and I had this discussion last week on GM shuffle, was the landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo, and could the Browns be a suitor for him? I know you certainly feel like uh, if the suspension is a, is a of a longer variety, that that would be an option. But we also saw one headline coming out that uh, from Jeremy Fowler there of V S P N that Seahawks have. Discuss the possibility of Jimmy G coming to Seattle and playing for the Seahawks. It, it's just interesting how Seattle had gone this entire offseason without really saying one way or another. It, it kind of made it appear as though they were ready to go with a potential Drew Lockett starting quarterback. Um, now we're, So now, look, we still don't know what's happening in Cleveland. All of a sudden, Seattle, do you, do you view them as serious players here for Jimmy G and what would have to be a, an intra-division acquisition there?
5: You'd have to think so, right? And I don't think Seattle has to trade for him. Like, unless the Browns get the – if the Browns are only going to go four games on on or six games, that's why they signed Brissett. They were expecting that, right? They were expecting that. So the schedule's fairly convenient to start the season if you're Cleveland. If you're a Seattle, how do you go to practice every day and think that you're going to win any games with Drew Locke and Geno Smith? And I don't know where San Francisco's going to be able to get any value for Jimmy G. I mean, let's face it. They, they've got to be able – to use that money, the $24 million, to give it to Samuel, to give it to Bosa. If you haven't gotten an offer yet, you're not getting one. And they can't let Jimmy come to camp because if he comes to camp, they can't pass him on a physical because they assume the $24 million debt. And they've got, they could be on the hook if he gets hurt again.
4: You think about, too, we're, we're from where Jimmy G is at. And it, it is funny, because you mentioned that, and how from his agent perspective, Don Yee, they've come out and said you know he's progressing on schedule. Not, nothing unlike you would ever expect to hear, right? But uh, from from Seattle's end of this, you wonder... Was this, was this kind of the plan the whole way? Were they, well, were they willing to just kind of let, this, let the chips fall and then kind of make their, their position known here? Or do you think this is one of those where, as they've gone through the summer and they've kind of realized exactly what they have on their hands, I'm not sure why it took them, would have taken them this long, they've, <laughs> they've come back and said, you know what, actually we should look at, at, at acquiring a quarterback. Where do you fall on that spectrum with Seattle?
5: I think Seattle just didn't like Baker. I think they didn't like Baker. I think they were not a Baker Mayfield fan. And for 18 million reasons, they didn't like him. Mm-hmm. And besides the, the player, right? They weren't a fan. I, I, I was told reliably that they were never into Baker when he was coming out in the draft. So John Schneider, the general manager of that. Now, they watch Jimmy twice a year. They've seen Jimmy. They know he could come back and, and, and play well for them. The kind of team that they have, it fits Jimmy perfectly. So I think this is all about who's available, not just get me anybody who's available.
4: Right. And no, like it, it makes a lot of sense when you, you phrase it that way. The other thing that Don Yee came out and said yesterday, Jimmy G's agent, uh, and and he told uh, Tom Pelissero there of NFL Network that there have not been any talks between the Niners and Bucks. That was something reported, uh, I guess, apparently erroneously uh, on a podcast from over the weekend. That would have felt uh, it's like a like a very that, large stretch to begin do with, that? Michael. <laughs>
5: How did that make any sense? No I mean, idea. we remember, I mean, remember this offseason, it seemed like years ago when, when, the, when Bruce Arians was still the head coach and he was talking about how Blaine Gabbard, who was unsigned at the time, was going to be the next great quarterback for the Bucks under his administration. Remember, he was dismissing Brady's impact on the team. Uh, you know, we'll get Blaine will come in here. No big
4: deal. Of course, Brady's back and Bruce isn't. A lot has happened. It's right. It does feel like it's, you know, that was just the start of the offseason cycle. That might as well have been like 15 years ago at this point, the way, the way it has felt uh, in, in our cycle. So, yes, that does, uh, does not appear as though Jimmy G will be heading to Tampa Bay. And for what it's worth, the Bucks had also said, uh, yeah, we're, we're not. They confirmed. They had no interest in, in acquiring Jimmy G. But you look to it. Uh, you talk about how the Seahawks offense, that could potentially and certainly so would fit the profile of Jimmy G and, and what they want to do. I just thought this was hilarious. I don't know that this is, this is even news, Michael, but we, we we should just mention it because the Broncos come out. Uh, this was from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, again, AFC personnel executive saying uh, the Broncos are, quote, tailoring the team's offense around Russell Wilson. Uh, color me shocked uh, there.
5: I mean, first of all, let, let's just – this is what, what drives me crazy, okay? You know, first of all, Nathaniel Hackett is the son of Paul Hackett. Paul Hackett was at San Francisco when I was there in 1984, okay? Paul Hackett was born and raised under the West Coast umbrella. Okay, that's all he has ever run his entire career. His son, Nathaniel, is truly a second generation West Coast offense guy. Russell Wilson, in his most productive time in Seattle, was a West Coast offense quarterback. Why would we think Denver's not going to run the West Coast? Like, tell me how that's a story. Tell me how that's even a story. Like, of course they're going to run. Now, will they run certain West Coast concepts that Russell likes? No doubt. No doubt they Mm -hmm. will. But what they must do, and us as betters need to be aware of this, is we've got to watch how interested Russell is in moving and what kind of shape is he in. I've seen the pictures of him uh, saying hello to the queen. I've seen him over in London. I don't see a body that looks like any different than it did last year. I'll be honest. I, I see a
4: little frumpiness to him. Do you? You could you could make a case. It's something that hasn't gotten to, been talked about at all this entire off season cycle. It's really just been people boosting this win total up. Now I mean we're at ten and a half now, still juiced over at plus one twenty five. But that has not been something that has really been mentioned by anybody. There's just this assumption that okay the chains are unlocked on Russell Wilson. He's gotten out of Seattle yeah. where they just wanted to run the ball over and over. But as you rightly point out, like how, you know, certainly the offense will be tailored around him because duh, but what is the reality going to be of, of what he can, uh, can deliver to them? I I think too, you have to assess, right? For Nathaniel Hackett first, one of 10 first year head coaches from a play calling standpoint, when you make that transition and you have so many other things now on your plate as a coach, what do you expect out of him too, making, making a transition like, uh, like that coming into Denver?
5: Well, I I think he's in a perfect position. He's got a quarterback that he's got to, you know, he's going to run the offense to me. If I'm Nathaniel, as I sit on vacation up at Lake Wana, uh the lake up in New Hampshire, where, where the family goes every year, uh, Lake uh, you know, I would be, I would want, I want Russell to gain more than 183 yards rushing. I want to see that Russell can escape from people. You know, we all talk about Russell. You know, they didn't let him cook last year. Yeah, they let him cook last year. He just didn't cook good last year. You know, the bear at the at that FX show is cooking a hell of a lot better than Russell <laughs> Cook last year. There's no doubt, you know. So, like, like let's stop making excuses. He looks frumpy. He couldn't get away from anybody last year. Has he lost a step? Is he not as athletic? I don't know. I'm going to wait to find out. I love Russell Wilson. But I know this, last year at the start of September, I was always hesitant to bet against Russell Wilson, especially in a close game. By the end of the year, I wasn't scared at all.
4: 33-year-old entering this Season in 2022. What was the that lake name again, Michael? I, I, I'm fascinated by lake
5: this. Lake Winnipa, Kasaki It's up in New Hampshire. <laughs> Paul Hackett's had a house there. North Turner's got a house up there. Wow. They all go up there in the summertime, and they all kind of hang out. It's Winnipa- a beautiful, beautiful lake. Big lake in New Hampshire.
4: When a, when a Basaki. I, I, I will admit uh, when you were gone yesterday, Mike Pritchard was filling in for you and I, he asked me the name of the lake I go to in Wisconsin and I replied Spread Eagle Lake, because that is the lake I go to. And he could he did not believe me at all. Like he was dying is laughing at the lake
5: set. Gen- I've been to Lake Geneva once. Is that anywhere near Lake Geneva?
4: Uh, it is it is so Spread Eagle Lake, northern part of the state. Lake Geneva is is south side of, of Milwaukee. Milwaukee. But the point being, Mike Pritchard, I, I'm like, come on man, grow up. Like, this is a real lake. This is a great place. It's secluded. Now, that's, that's what we... we go. Play. We figured it out. We have it in common. Uh, we'll have some more NFL news coming up as well. Talk maybe some Lamar Jackson. We have another headline revolving around the Ravens starting quarterback. But up, ne- but up next, we'll talk the quarterback prop betting market on some passing touchdowns as we just get things started here on the Lombardi Line. There's no
0: distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Hi, checking in for...
6: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
4: BeN is broadcasting live from the NBA Summer League. All week through July 17th. Catch the edge with Jonathan von Toble and Matt humans. At 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, live from the NBA Summer League every single weekday. We'll also have special guests, exclusive content, and live updates all throughout our VSEN shows. For more, follow us at VSEN Live on Twitter, at, at VSEN Live on YouTube. After we had that discussion on Russell Wilson in the, in the uh, first block, uh, Michael Lombardi, I just Google him, it's like. Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson shares workout video on Instagram. So apparently he's doing something to work out, and it's just like a video of him pushing some sort of sled. So I'm sure that's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's
5: gonna, I, gonna go I mean, I, I think he's got to get in shape, right? I think he's got to do it. He, he's got, he wasn't. He kind of didn't escape. I mean, one of the things that makes Russell so good is his ability to extend plays and then his ability, which I think is rare, of no being accurate on the run. I mean, his accuracy when he's moving right or left is remarkable. That's part. When you're under six feet as a quarterback, you have to have something else that makes you different and unique, and I think that was it. And if he doesn't have that, he's a lot easier to defend than it is. It's one of the problems with Tua. You know, Tua's short and doesn't have elite speed to escape. He doesn't have great speed to get out of the way. When defensive linemen can run you down, like they can't run down Mahomes, they can't run down Watson, they can't run down some uh, Kyler Murray. But when they can run you down. You become a lot easier to contain, and because of that, your rush lanes aren't as as need to be disciplined as they would if you if you can't contain them.
4: Right, and we talked as well, kind of coming into this segment now, looking at some of these totals on touchdowns, how the Broncos, as we expected, tailoring the offense around Wilson. 31-and-a-half is his passing touchdown prop uh, set here in 2022. guy who threw 25 last year. Now, keep in mind, he only played in 14 games a season ago for Seattle, moves to a new system, new team. What do you, what do you expect uh, in, in that realm? Do you, if, if we think that he might not run as much, I know you want to see more of that from him. Uh, where would you stand then on a 31-and-a-half number?
5: Oh, I'm going over on that. One of the things I know about Paul Hackett, he loves play-action pass inside the play, inside the one-yard line. Nathaniel's the same way, right? So, you remember Chad Pennington?
4: Of course, yeah.
5: Okay, Chad Pennington might have led the league in one-yard touchdown passes. You know who the offensive coordinator was of the Jets at the time? Paul Hackett. It loves that play-action, easy throw. I'm going over 31 and a half. There's no doubt. Now you know they got a great running back in Williams and Gordon, so they can run it in. But the I think the fact of when you get down there, Wilson's feet and his ability to make plays inside there, I'm going to go over 31. I mean, look, that's less than two a game, and I think he'll yeah. have he'll
4: have that. And let's keep in mind too, for all the people saying you know, the whole let Russ cook idea in Seattle the last four seasons where he played a full 16 game season before the schedule but changed and went to one extra game 34 35 31 40 and that was in a quote unquote system where they Let were run, not letting him yeah. cook enough and he was still throwing 40 touchdowns so you have I'm, I'm yeah. with you on that one makes a lot of sense uh, again 31 and a half that's where he's at so we've got these uh, these are the AFC or sorry these are the overall leaders we've got up here first with Justin Herbert leading the way at 36 and a half you know a guy Michael that doesn't even make this list at all is Lamar Jackson, who was the other kind of headline guy we saw have, have some news come out on him over the, uh, over the last couple of days where he has, he has been in a pretty strict workout off-season program. They, they wanted to tighten up his throwing motion, wanted to gain some weight to him. He went from 205 to 220 there in the weight room, and his, his passing touchdown total... 24-and-a-half this year, Jackson only threw last year uh, for 16 uh, touchdowns in his 12 games that he started in. Uh, what do you think about uh, what you hear on that with Jackson trying to bulk up this year and at least tighten up a motion that has certainly gotten him into some trouble in seasons past?
5: Well, I think, look, he only played 12 games last year. He had 16. The offense I didn't think was very good. The offensive line was a disaster. But if you go back to 19 and you go back to 20, he threw 36 and 26 touchdown passes. He only played at 15 games each year that year. So there's a good chance he's going over 24. You know, when a guy gains weight, what do I worry about? I worry about him still having that electric speed, right, that ability Mm -hmm. to just fly. And can he do that? You know, I I, I would assume, knowing Lamar, he can. Like, I don't think Lamar's going to put on bad weight. Whereas, you know, and he can escape. He was so fast. So, you know, I think he needs to have that weight to handle the pounding. But I also think that, you know, he's going to throw the ball effectively. Look, he's not, an, not a not good throw. He can throw the football. Now, there's certain throws that he doesn't throw as well as he needs to throw. That's, that's factual. He's got to throw the ball outside the numbers, down the field. But in terms of the red zone with his foot movement and his ability – I think he goes over that number easily.
4: And, and as you mentioned, the, the twenty six from uh, from 2020, 36 in twenty nineteen, and those were again even with only starting fifteen games. That was still not even an entire full season. So you, you got to think, uh, and you would you would imagine as well, like for a Baltimore team that uh, you know they were seven and five in the games Jackson started last season, uh, a team that has had their their ups and downs. Even though the, as a franchise they have been so so solid here in general over the last decade plus, just in their their general chances here, are you are you of the mindset that Not only will this be a Lamar bounce-back year, but would you think that applies to the rest of the team here this year?
5: I think it has to, Ben. Look, I mean, last year he was sacked in 12 games. He was sacked 38 times. 9% of the times he went back to throw, he got sacked. The year before, two years before, it was 5.4. The year before, it was 7.2. He got hit a lot. For a guy that can move around, he got sacked too many times in 12 games. That wasn't good. And a lot of that was because they don't have Ronnie Stanley. They traded Orlando Brown. The offensive line, they had Alexander uh, uh, Villanueva at right tackle. That was a disaster, right? They were just bad up front. I think they're going to be better up front. And because they can be better up front, I think it's going to help him. He, it has to help Lamar. They've got to get better offensive line play. You know, everybody has this perception that Baltimore is this incredibly talented team, that they have all this – because every year they get an A in the draft. Every year no they doubt. get an A yep. in a draft. I mean, they always get an A because, you know, their, their general manager, DaCosta, is well-loved by the national media. He gets an A every time. But they've got some concerns. I mean, Morgan Moses is not a great right tackle. He's going to start. Kevin Zittler, Zeitler is over 30 years old. He's starting. That, that right side of the line is concerning. Like, this offensive line hasn't been good. It wasn't good last year. Now, if they get Dobbins back, that's great. You know, they get another runner to go along with Gus Edwards, who was hurt also last year. But for me, I, I think this team has got concerns defensively and offensively in their offensive line.
4: At least for having Ronnie Stanley back. And it, the rest of that line, Tyree Phillips left guard, Tyler Lindenbaum at uh, center. Stanley, what, only 380 snaps in the last two seasons. You go back to 2020 and 21. And the last time we saw Jackson, when as you talked about, the 36 touchdown pace, very few sacks that year. That was the last truly healthy uh, Stanley season. So will that be a correlation? You would at least, as you point out, at least there's some positivity there. It's just crazy to think, like a guy like Lamar Jackson could re- could really be sacked 38 times just given his mobility and, and g- general uh, you know loose elusivity in the pocket. That is like the crazy number when you actually look back at it. 23 sacks in 2019 was uh, was the total number for him in three more games uh, that he played there on uh, on Lamar Jackson. So that that's one of those where I, I'm sure that's one of those like those common public thinking pieces here, Michael, where you look at it and you say, wait, how, how does this guy possibly get sacked 38 times? If he can actually move around in the pocket and people kind of forget like, yeah, the offensive line, it obviously matters for a traditional pocket passer, like a Tom Brady standing in there, but it's still, I mean, when you say it's still just as important for a a scrambler who still is able to do good things when he's has time in the pocket, but also it's not like he can do everything on his own and just be, be uh, be moving around everywhere and creating plays without any help around him.
5: Yeah, and I mean, look, where are they at receiver? I mean, Mark Andrews is the guy he wants to throw the ball to. There's no doubt. You know, he had 107 receptions last year. You know, so that was really good. And 70% of the time, the ball was thrown to him. That was great. They lose 91 catches with Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. That's 91 yeah. catches. You know, now where is that coming from? Bateman had 46, right? So you've got to feel like Bateman's going to come on. But Devernay, they've got to get something out of him. You know, they've got to get something more. He's supposed to be this elite speed receiver. He averaged 8.2 yards a catch, you know, and so they've got to get something out of him. Sammy Watkins did what Sammy Watkins always did. He underachieved. Then James Prowse, they've got to get – I mean, their skill, Ben, isn't exactly elite now. I mean, their skill offensively, you don't sit there and say, wow, I mean, I love Andrews, and so does and, – and Boyles, the on-the-line blocker. This is not an uniquely talented right. skill set. With Proch at six-round pick, DeVernay the third. I mean, Bateman's going to get all the coverage.
4: It's like, where would they be without, without a Mark Andrews as well? A guy who's done so much for them and kind of helping out the rest of the receivers. Uh, we still, at the same time, though, as you, you point out, Lamar Jackson, 24 and a half. I feel like an over would be in the cards there. As far as most, uh, most touchdowns to lead the league this year, Justin Herbert, your favorite, five and a half to one, six to one on Josh Allen, six and a half to one on Tom Brady. Uh, who, who stands out to you this year that you feel like is going to take that leap, end up leading the league here in TDs?
5: Well, I got to think, you know, look, we got to think, Joe Burrow, if he gets protected, you know, Joe Burrow could be a good value at plus 900. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, with Higgins and with all the receivers they have there and a better offensive line, he's going to throw the ball better, you know, and they're not going to have to settle for field goals. Last year, they were seventh in the league in scoring. But I think they'll be better this year because of that, you know. And I, I think ultimately, I think Derek Carr. If Waller's healthy at 18 to one, Derek Carr with Waller, Hunter Renfro, and Adams, how does it? He throw for a ton of touchdowns.
4: Those are no. Those are both, especially when you bring in a Devonte Adams type into Las Vegas. I just look at Joe Burrow, a guy who. I mean, he's sacked 51 times, leagues the lead, and he still throws 34 touchdown passes, still leads the league in completion percent. The guy, as you've pointed out in the past, Michael, clearly a, a different breed. And 9-1, to one, he's still, uh, that's what, you're, you're tied for your fourth shortest odds. Uh, could, could be some value there. I don't know. It's just the fact that he was that productive, it's funny, we had the Lamar discussion, right? The fact that Burrow was so productive while being hit way more times than Lamar Jackson, it speaks volumes, right?
5: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, 70% completion leads the league and it's also 8.9 8. yards per 10. Unbelievable.
4: Pretty amazing. We'll talk more NFL, get into some general handicapping discussion with Michael. We'll also update the Open Championship when we return here on the Lombardi line. <music> the Beast Summer Special is here for only $19. You get everything. VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today and you'll get VEASAN's daily best bets. They include Adam Burke on Major League Baseball, our NFL preseason coverage as well, plus premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at VEASAN.com. Slash Summer Ben Wilson back with you from our South Point Sportsbook studio on the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Michael Lombardi joins me from uh, the East Coast. I assume you were just up and at him at like 1.35 a.m. Eastern today, Michael, watching the Open Championship. You've, you've just been pulling an all-nighter, right?
5: I, I would have loved to say I was, but uh, no, I'll catch it on the rebound. I mean, Very you know, nice. that's. I love this tournament, though. I, I love, I love the fact that. The the holes all go in one direction going out, and they all come back in another direction going back. I mean, you know, I know it's St. Andrews, but you know the, sometimes when you look that it could be anywhere it could be anywhere in over in scotland wherever they're playing you know until you get the 17 when you see the building then you realize the road you know that where they are but it, 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 i love the tournament i really do it i was, mean how about rory today how about I, rory I
4: as we take a look at the, uh, the the leaderboard right now so cameron young the american goes out shoots an eight under 64 to start the day but rory comes in he closed the favorite around 10 to 1 in most shops six under today michael cam smith right behind him he was another popular choice five under and the updated odds uh, would you believe this rory down to plus 350 live that's at uh, bet mgm right now scotty scheffler who was on my card this week he is seven to one he's on the course right now four under through 12 holes and then cam smith is third on your odds board at uh, plus 900 cam young the low round of the day so far at uh, 10 to one but yeah you had to like what you saw out of uh, out of rory so far guy look for a guy who comes out as the Pre-tournament favorite, a lot of pressure on him to try to get back into the win column at a, at a major championship. He could not have looked much better than he did today.
5: No, and you couldn't look as bad as Tigers looking right now. I mean, really? Tigers plus six you know, and, and all the hope of a flat course and knowing the course maybe, you know, look, it, it, it's going to be a miracle for him to make the cut, what he is at plus six right now through seven holes.
4: He do- uh, doubles the first hole Tiger did today, which is just a very straightforward par four. Most of, the, you know, most of the players have just been in a pretty comfortable spot to at least par, but doubles the first, goes bogey, bogey, three, four, and then doubles seven. He j- he just had to make a pretty tough testing par putt on eight to stay at six over, so just a a of start for uh, for tiger six over through eight holes he's he's i mean michael he's almost in last place right now there's only i'm, I'm looking at this there's only six other golfers worse than uh, than tiger and it's the guys like mark calcovecchia and david duvall who are not really competitive yeah. golfers at this point so yeah i don't know if i don't know if you were among the, the you know obviously the betting casual public a lot of times it's like oh let's just take a bet on tiger to make the cut he had a, a lot of line movement in his favor where people were you know Naturally, we're betting him. I don't know if, I don't know if you felt like you, you wanted to be in the same, uh, same boat there, at least being like, oh, I think Tiger I just, can make the cut. But
5: I, I feel like whenever you watch Tiger, the longer he has to continue to go through the ebb and flow of playing this hard sport, his body tends to break down. I would have not been on the side of him making the cut only because of that. Like right. when I watched him in the last tournament on Monday, he looked fine. By Thursday, he looked like a mess. And I, I just think it's hard to rekindle the magic in your body. I know this as a grandfather, you know, at, at my age, yeah. it's not easy, you know, chasing young little kids around the house all day, you know. And so it, it wears on you and, I, I, and playing golf at the highest level. I mean, like Cal is plus 11 for the tournament. I mean, David Duval plus seven at through 10 holes. I mean. This is kind of like you lose a little bit of your feel as you get older. Stort sink is plus four. It's a hard sport as you get older.
4: Yeah. It's a hard sport for anybody, Mike. I mean, Darren
5: Clark is plus six. Didn't he just win it a couple years ago?
4: Yeah, uh, that was yeah. I want to say the twenty uh, sixteen. I want to say I'll look that up yeah, on, on I... Clark. it's it, You're right. It hasn't been that long, and uh, yeah, five over for Clark through twelve. And keep in mind too, like a, a guy like Stewart Sink, who's really he's had a renaissance too. The the second half of his career, he's been playing good golf at least the last couple of years. Four over through thirteen. So. Look, Michael, like I'm 28, and I still find the game incredibly maddening and, <laughs> and challenging. So, uh, yeah, I, but I get the sentiment for these, uh, these older guys. What's fascinating, too, the rest of the leaderboard, some, some young guns, though, who have certainly uh, 150th open. It's the old course. You would think there's got to be a lot of built-in pressure there, but some super young guys come out, the, the young amateur from Stanford, Barkley Brown, the Englishman, four-under, Kirk Kittyama four-under as well, uh, Brad Kennedy. Where's Victor our man Hovland. Will
5: Zalatouris? Where's Ben, where's Will Zalatoris? I haven't seen him.
4: It's not been good so far. Uh, Zalatoris just oh. got into the clubhouse, one over 73 today for Zalatoris, yeah. tied for 72nd. Uh, eesh.
5: Not, not good. There. How about Daly shooting one over?
4: Well, hey, he's and John Daly, he's he's been able to be uh, at least early in these tournaments. Like we saw it, uh, we saw it at the PGA. Like he's at least competitive. He's at least live. It's uh, it's amazing. The 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 greatest golf story, I, at least from viewing Michael, I have was I went to the it was the O. Four PGA Whistling Straits, uh, not too far from where I grew up there in Wisconsin. We're we're out we're at the first tee. It's like a set, you know 6:30 a.m. It's freezing. Winds are howling off Lake Michigan. John Daly was paired with Tiger Woods, and I'm out there with my parents. Uh, Daly bogeys the first hole and immediately lights up a SIG at about 6:38 a.m. in uh, in Wisconsin. It was and Tiger you know is next to him, just like steely, razor focused, greatest thing I've ever seen. I'm like these guys are playing the same sport right now, <laughs> and this yeah. is what I'm getting to watch. It's amazing.
5: Unbelievable. I mean, it really is. I mean, there's so much. And if Daly had Tiger's drive, competitiveness, the will to excel with the talent that he has, he could have been even better than he ended up. That's why we just see flashes of him because Mm -hmm. he doesn't have that, what Jordan has, what Tiger has, that incredible will to be excellent.
4: Yep, the 30 for 30, I can't recommend enough on on John Daly. Great. just It's a fascinating portrait of a, of a guy who, yeah, who live, lived hard and is still like, he's still Living he's hard. kicking it. Uh, lived hard. Lived Living hard. hard. Very, yeah, very, very, very hard. Uh, rest of the top ten, by the way, too, mentioned uh, Lee Westwood is on there as well, tied for fourth bunch of guys, T4 there at four under par, and then a big old group of guys at 10 under right now, Minwoo Lee, Ian Poulter, Ju Young Kim, Bryson DeChambeau, so a little renaissance there for Bryson. Uh, Michael, he gets the three under. Danny Willett. K.H. Lee, all three under, Scott Vincent, Xander Shoffley, who's been the hottest golfer in the world, uh, three under as well. There are 12 different guys, Dustin Johnson, Paul Casey, still on the course at a three under. So there are some big names, Michael, that are, uh, are delivering so far.
5: Yeah, no no doubt. And, I mean, look, one thing we know this, is not going to be about weather, right? So we know the weather is going to stay pretty much the way it is. You know, Jack was talking the other day about how, you know, one year he got a bad start time and then, you know, he came back because he got a better one. I think the weather is going to stay pretty much what we're used to. I'm sure the winds are going to kick up from time to time, but we're not going to get rain according to what I saw on the weather charts, low 60s, wind coming in off the ocean, which it always will. And and I think that, you know, the, the scores will continue to stay, maybe not 8-under like we saw today, but I think you'll still see people being able to make birdies.
4: No doubt. It definitely has the feel of more, of more of kind of a birdie fest for a major, even though that's sort of a weird thing to say when you think about open championships of years past. But that 15-under doesn't seem like an unrealistic score whatsoever. And even because we're in that late wave right now, which I'm sure for those of, for people out there who bet some of these guys teeing off late, you worried, okay, maybe the wind's going to kick up. But Jordan Spieth and John Rahm, they're each on their front nines. They were among the last groups to tee off. Michael and they're, they're both two under. So again, some of these big names, while well, we've seen some struggle at the same time, like this, the, the birdies are out there. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's been impressive to watch at least to this point. And uh Spieth and Rom, they're a bunch of a, a, a part of a number of guys as well at a uh, two under par or er, Hey, Ernie Els, Ernie Els, under. Look,
3: look
5: at
4: the South African
5: man. I mean, Ernie Els was at one time he was four under, I think today, I think he kind of gave a little bit back, but you know, look there. And I think this is what makes golf tiger talked about this as it relates to the live tour, you know, it's an endurance test right 72 holes is really a challenge and you've got to play well for 72 we've seen guys that if the masters were 54 holes they could have won it but 72 makes it more difficult and even a older guy can have a great i mean freddie couples how many times does he look like he's going to be in contention after three rounds or after two rounds of the of the of the masters and then all of a sudden he just it's a hard hard to be consistent it's a challenging sport
4: Look, it's especially too, when you watch these guys at a place like the old course and that, you know, these, these courses are so different too. You go all around the world. That like that. If that I don't know for, I, I'm sure you would have a different answer. At least for me, if it was like, you could have the power to be a pro athlete in one sport. I, I say golf every day of the week because it's, it's always a different challenge. It, you get to travel. The courses are different. It's not like the same exact uh, dimensions of the, of the playing field you're at. I don't know if you would say NFL, Michael, based on your experience, but I would at well, least, I, yeah. golf will be mine.
5: I mean, it's a fun sport. I mean, look, and 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 as older as you get, maybe you can't play competitively, but it's something you can do for most of your
4: life. I hey, that that is certainly true. Unlike the National Football League, you can certainly be a GM though late late in life. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> yeah. you you prove that you could certainly do that, Michael. And we'll have uh, Rex Hoggard from the Golf Channel. He is there at the old course at the St. Andrews. He's going to join us here in a little bit. Uh, it, it'll be in our next hour. We'll discuss things with uh, Rex Hoggard. Get his thoughts uh, again. Though the live odds: McElroy plus three fifty. Two out of the lead after a, a day one 66. Scotty Scheffler on the course right now, four under through 13. He is seven to one. Cam Smith, nine to one. And then Cameron Young, our day one, likely the day one leader, unless something crazy happens here on, on the back end of the day. Eight under, 64 at 10 under par. And then I just mentioned Rahm and Spieth. They're each on their front nines, two under right now. They are each at 12 to one. Xander Shoffley. Uh, at 16-1, to one, Xander is, I believe, still on the course. As oh, No, he is just into the clubhouse as well. Three under in a tie for 10th. On the other side, though, we'll talk a little NFL, discuss some preseason futures, and maybe some week one games with our pal Harry Gagnon, who you see on the Against All Odds podcast with Cousin Sal, friend of the show. Great to have Harry back, as we'll get him on next, discussing all things NFL offseason and what futures Harry has his eye on. That's next when we return here on the Lombardi Line. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the major golf tournament in the UK. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any golfer to win, and if any golfer makes a birdie during the tournament, you'll win $200 in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use bonus code vcent 200 when you make your first bet. Enjoy golf like never before and find out why nothing beats a win at BetMGM. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code vcent 200 to win $200 in free bets if any golfer makes a birdie during the tournament in the UK. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are Subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi. Nevada, or New York. Back alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Ben Wilson from our South Point Sportsbook studio, the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. So pleased to welcome onto the program a good friend of the show back on, Harry Gagdon, the uh, former Vegas Sportsbook supervisor, but you hear him now on the Against All Odds podcast with Cousin Sal, the degenerate trifecta brother Bry, the parlay kid. Love listening to the show uh, pretty much every day. I know you guys You guys just had the uh, the Open Championship breakdown there. Harry, we'll get into some of your NFL plays here for the offseason and, uh, and week one. How, how's your card looking, though, out there at the Old course,
3: boy. You know what? I'm, what I, I we made a joke this morning. Thanks, thanks for having me on again, uh, Ben and Mike. That's great. Love it. Um, I, you know, I we made a joke already this morning because the three guys I gave out on against all odds yesterday, the bet, the bet right now through like twenty-seven holes, I've got zero total burden zero, <laughs> zero. Out of the three guys I gave out, <laughs> no good on the old course as of right now. W- where point. were you on I'm Tiger, ahead.
5: Harry? Where were you on Tiger? You know what,
3: my, I was that he wasn't going to be able to uh, – I, I, was, I was hopeful that he could show up. Uh, I know if you guys remember, after the Masters, what he said is that he, he really hoped to play in this tournament uh, and be over here and be, and be productive. Uh, he's won it twice at St. Andrews, but it just got off to a. I, I didn't think he was going to be able to make the cut here just because he hasn't played much. And he did have a practice round where he shot with 77. I don't know if he'd be trying different things, guys, but I just don't think he was going to be that productive. And it just didn't go. Yeah, the last time I checked, he was six over through seven to start. He put it in the crick on one for a double bogey. And I just thought overall, though, he's just not going to be able to make the putts, especially when this stuff, the the greens, uh, the fairways are so rough, they're so fast. He's not going to be able to make the putting, and so far, he
4: hasn't. Yeah, he's got a – he's lining up a birdie putt right now, Harry, on nine. He's six over, but solo 149th right now. So, trying to knock down a birdie putt yeah. to get to five. A long way to go for uh, for Tiger to even even sniff uh, the, the cut line again. You follow Harry at AAO. Harry, anybody you're looking to play uh, in tournament here at the Open based on what you've seen so far?
3: Yeah, I think I think right now, last time I checked, Scotty Shep was at minus three. He had, he had about a 55-footer for birdie today, and it's just – basically, he's just Probably right now, the best putter in the game. He's fantastic. But Jordan Speeds too. Jordan Speed's right up there, too, at minus three. Guys, I talked stat Since 2016, since 2016, at Open Championships, Jordan Speed is 42 under par. The next closest, the next closest is 26. Jordan Speed has been fantastic in these tournaments uh, in England and Scotland. He won in 2017, so definitely if you can jump on Speed. I think last time I checked, three uh, three under. Uh, something. You some, should probably jump on him and grab him a little bit.
5: Yeah, I, I love that play. I read that same stat too, Harriet. You know, he just seems to really gravitate towards these courses. It's, you know, he gets a lot of kick with his with his driver and, and gets sure. more. You know, because of the ground and it, it helps him because he's not the longest hitter on tour. So, but he is really good, accurate with his with his irons and his putting. When it's going, he can be deadly.
3: Right when he's putting, and you know Mike, this year he's actually fifth on tour in eagles. Uh, and you know there this, there are a couple of those par fours that if you get the bounce and and it's it's as hard as it is right now, you get that bounce, you could be putting for eagle on the green.
4: No doubt. Yeah. Spieth eleven to one right now. He is your fifth uh, short shot, two under uh, through eight right mm-hmm. now. Uh, Harry, let's talk some NFL though, okay. oh, because I know you've got well, some t- future. Tiger
5: made that putt, didn't he? He Tiger made the putt. Yeah. Out in, out in forty-one for right.
4: for Tiger. So hey. Started slow. Now he's coming on strong, I guess. Uh, one hole gets gets uh, gets into, uh, at least makes the turn get there the at five over. He's I, like I, all
5: I of us. he
3: to get the blood, blood flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiger makes a birdie, and guys. 21 days till Raiders, Jags and Hall of Fame, baby. Let's do it.
4: Exactly. There you, are. There you go. And uh, Scotty Shuffle just missed a, uh, a par putt that lipped in out on 13. So he drops from four under to uh, three under. You, though, Harry, okay. you are very bullish on the on the Buffalo Bills. I know you're not the only one, but you certainly like the Bills coming into 2022 as we get into some of your futures plays that you have already made. Uh, what uh, what is what is your angle here on Buffalo heading into this season?
3: Yeah, my, I know you got to lay a price here, but i love the minus 185 to win the East and the plus 350 uh, for the AFC. They were so close last year. I mean, they're so close they change rules based on what the Bills did against Kansas City. Uh, I know Miami and the Jets have improved plenty. I think New England is still kind of sitting at that 8-9 win range. Uh, Bills are looking to win the East for the third straight season. I also like Josh Allen. 7-1 for MVP, too. His numbers just keep getting better. Guys, last two seasons combined, last two seasons combined, include his rushing, include his passing. He's counted for 88 touchdowns the last two years. Just keeps getting better. Great selection by the Bills in that draft. Uh, and I'm like. i I'm all over the Bills this year. Absolutely.
5: You know, I, I think, where are you on Miami, Harry? Do you feel like that? The, like Tyreek Hill, that they could challenge Buffalo? Because Tyreek Hill claims they're as talented as the Kansas City Chiefs were in nineteen.
3: Yeah, I heard him say that the other day, and I think Miami's going to be very good. I mean, Jalen Wilder. Jalen Wilder's numbers were just—I mean—off the charts last year for a rookie. 104 receptions uh, over uh, over uh, like 140 targets. And about he was just so good in these games late. He made Tua look—he made Tua look very good at times. I just am still suspect a little bit about Tua. I still need to see a full season mm-hmm. out of him where it, where he wins games that he's. I'd like to see him win some games that he shouldn't win and step up and be the guy and instead of having everyone else around him uh, be the guy. And cheat. Maybe hey, getting Cheetah, maybe that helps him out tremendously, Get someone to throw the ball to a side from, up from Waddle. Uh, I, I think it's a situation where, again, though, I just think Miami uh, can challenge maybe for 10 wins. I know they got there a couple years ago, um, but I don't think they can challenge the Bills overall, though. Uh, Bill, remember also, guys. As you guys know, Bills very, very good last year defensively. Definitely a top three defense heading into this season. So Bills win the division. I think Miami though so can get ten wins and be second in that division.
4: You've already made a bet too on week one, right? So Mike McDaniel's debut, and you're uh, you're riding the fins. Is that right?
3: Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll lay the two and a half in week one for whatever it is. Miami gives New England six. They are four and one straight up in the last five versus Belichick uh, again loaded up on offense in the offseason. We talked about Cheetah and Hill. They grabbed Moser. Uh, they grabbed Sonny Michelle. Um, so they got some weapons in the, uh, and running back where like, it was all on uh, just like one guy last year. Uh, so I'm not liking Miami minus the two and a half at home. Why not to go five and one straight up? Against New England, I'll take the the Dolphins
5: there, guys. You know, Harry, I've been there. It's a hard place to play, especially, you know, you can't get used to the humidity, no matter how much you try. You know, the Raiders Mm -hmm. are going to host the Patriots in week three of the preseason, so the Patriots get out there and get some heat before they play a preseason game, but it's hard. It zaps you. You know, we had a big lead at halftime in 14, and, and it whittled away because we whittled away as a team. And so that was a real challenge. And, look, the one thing I will say, New England's defense last year was slow at the linebacker position, and, and Miami mm-hmm. took advantage of it with their RPO game and their run after the catch, you know, and they didn't pressure uh, Tua enough to where they would make him a liability in the game. So I'm with you on that pick.
4: Okay. Beautiful. That's what Harry likes to hear. Michael, Michael's all aboard uh, the week one pick. You also nice. have a play on Love the Panthers uh, catching a point against the Browns. I, I'm assuming you are you're making this play with the belief it will be Mayfield starting week one there for uh, Carolina.
3: Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I, I, I do. I think Baker wins the job over Darnold. Just straight up better. He's done more in the league. Um, you know, obviously we can say all and talk all day long what we want to say about Baker Mayfield, what we like, what we don't like. But really, the key again, obviously, we say it every year. It's McCaffrey. Is McCaffrey healthy? He is now. How long will he last again this, this season? We don't know. But as long as you have a healthy uh, Christian McCaffrey, I think there's overall better here with Cleveland. Cleveland's quarterback situation still up in the air. And they did grab Rashard Higgins in a free agency in the offseason. Carolina didn't. So Baker went to him plenty in Cleveland. They had a nice rapport uh, at, at with the Browns together. So we've got him. We've got Richie Anderson, uh, Robbie Anderson, I, I think, who's, who's – uh, just begging for someone to throw him the ball other than Sam Darnold. So I think this is a nice spot in week one. I think Cleveland still, like I said, a little screwed up still uh, um, uh, quarterback-wise in Carolina defense last year. They were actually second in points against and fourth in yards against. I'm taking the Panthers here. And they started off the season, guys, last year pretty good too. Right. Someone takes Panthers in Week One over the
4: Browns. Harry Gagdon hosted the Against All Odds podcast. There with Cousin Sal and the rest of the uh, degenerate trifecta. The, the consistent podcast. I don't know about you, Michael. I always find myself just dying it. in laughter every time I every time I listen.
5: I love to it, show. Cousin Sal. I love Harry. I love being on it every time they ask me. So it's awesome. We Love you, Mike. And AAO uh, Harry. Always great
4: stuff. Appreciate it, uh, Harry. Thank thanks. you as always thanks, for joining Harry. us. Hopefully, hopefully your guys get some birdies there at the old course. I'm sure it'll come <laughs> around eventually. And <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll catch up <laughs> with you soon. Michael, thanks, guys. Okay, Absolutely. Thanks, Harry. Hey, at least Tiger Tiger is on the board, Michael. He's got a birdie as they make there the turn. Go. Tiger five over now going to Holt number 10. Another quick open leaderboard update on the other side. We'll get into some more NFL discussion with Michael as we get ready for our number two here on the Lombardi line.